Welcome to Season 2 at A Writer in Italy. I am Michelle Johnston, the host and dreamer behind this podcast. In 2019, I decided to share a book and memoir about my experience of visiting Italy to revel in the food, the art, the beauty, to rewire and recharge after many years of parenting and life in general. I live in Australia, yet have long had an attraction to the Mediterranean countries for as long as I can remember. The colours, the food, the lifestyle, the art and the landscape have fueled my creative life for many years now. Last year, I decided to just surrender to it and embrace the place it has in my heart and that is why I am here today sharing this with you. Thank you for joining me. You can find all show notes at michellejohnston.net and follow me on Instagram at a writer in Italy and at the yellow house underscore. Please share, subscribe and rate this podcast if you enjoy it. You can donate to the podcast journey at michellejohnston.net if you feel called to contribute to this creative adventure. If you are new to the podcast, season one is the bookshare in the shadow of a cypress an Italian adventure, and many other meanderings in the world of books, cooking, art, and lifestyle, indeed the lure of Italy as the ultimate muse. Welcome to episode 14 at A Writer in Italy. I honestly barely even know where to begin today. I just feel a bit of anxiety even talking about things in general because it's really unusual times. It is difficult to start at the beginning when there's so much turbulence in our lives at the moment and obviously um, some people's lives are far more challenged than others at this stage and we don't know what's in front of us. So I feel a little, I don't know, almost silly turning up, but I just want to be here today and share what I'm doing in my world as a way to remedy this place because what else can you do you can only do your best and try to make something out of nothing and move forward in whatever way that it works on a personal level so I'm coming from my own personal experience when I talk today about the creative projects that I've begun and a little share about why and what's important at the moment to me. And I hope that at the end of the day, you get something out of that, sorry, out of this share. And, um, and I'll just talk about now and what's happening today because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, in other words. And I just wanted to keep doing my podcast, even though it feels a little bit like I said silly I don't know I just feel like there's so much happening in the world and in Italy and our hearts are broken and we're watching from the sidelines not knowing what will happen today or tomorrow Um, and I just don't want to say the wrong thing I guess but I will just try and just share my experience so that's where I'm coming from today what else can you do (laughs) so how to move forward in the middle of these challenging times. So I might start with this funny story. 
as a sign of the times. So last week, with all of the panic buying and now rationing in the shops in Australia, I was disappointed when I got a letter home from my daughter's school. She's 15 and in year 10. And the teacher was just writing to explain why they would not be doing the food technology class. They would not be practicing the practical aspect of it. Basically, the school couldn't get their hands on any of the supplies from the shops, like flour and baking powder and etc. And part of me was quite miffed, thinking, wow, how did we get to this? Even though I understood, you know, all of the fear and panic buying that has happened here. And I think the thing that was missing over the last few weeks is that we'd been hearing about people doing that, but nobody had said over the radio waves or the television or anything that the supermarkets aren't planning to close. And that wasn't obvious to anybody. So people were just going out of their ways to, you know, stock up thinking that they were going to be unable to go there at all. I had noticed that any of the stories that were coming from Italy were really talking about the fact that the shops were open. You could go to the supermarket and buy even though perhaps not too many people could go in there at the one time, that the truth of the matter was you could still go and get supplies from the chemists and the shops if you needed them. And so that piece of information had been missing. And now, you know, this time last week I was thinking, oh, my Lord, and now my kids are home. There is no classes. Suddenly they are at home for a month, perhaps two months, perhaps six how do we know? And so these little things that matter at one stage are pointless worrying about now. So now Miss Grace can cook as much as she likes, although I have to admit she's not the cook in the house. The older one and the younger ones are, although I do believe the teacher has sent home some work that they have to do some baking, so I am quietly thrilled about that. That helps me out. So now let's get to it. What I really wanted to share today is my story about cooking from the cookbook, Bread is Gold, Extraordinary Meals with Ordinary Ingredients, and why I am doing this. So somewhere along the way, I had been contemplating the idea to find a cookbook that I would go on to actually cook every recipe in the publication. The theory being that I learn some new skills in the kitchen, perhaps find some fresh recipes I can rotate on the family menu, perhaps take myself into new territory in the land of cookery and food. I have actually been thinking about this for around a year, and in January this year, I decided to concentrate my attention on the book Bread is Gold. You might know the chef and artisan Massimo Bottura from the Netflix show The Chef's Table. Or you might know the Theatre of Life documentary that came out a year later. I have watched the Netflix series on his evolving relationship to food a number of times and have felt a kinship to his focus on seasonal, local cuisine, his connection to the landscape, the farmers the people and his conversation about surplus food and food waste as not only an environmental concern but a humanitarian one. On a personal note, I have made the decision to be at home a portion of the week so that I can not only grow our food 
but to make sure that what ends up in my kid's lunchbox is not going to be seen the next day lining the school fence after a wind blows through. The wrappers and plastic have troubled me for a number of years. This is my last year of walking to school after 15 years, so it has been a constant rub. I bake and cook most of our food at home and give any of the waste to our chickens or my neighbour's chickens when I can. So finding bread is gold and making the decision to purchase the book came about from a number of things. So I'll share the general gist of this. Bread is Gold is a book about teaching yourself to not only limit your food waste, but to utilize it in new ways. Massimo Batura is known for many things, his restaurants, his art, his passion, and most importantly, his can-do attitude to life. Sure, his restaurant, Osteria Francescana, has the number one restaurant in the world accolade, and there are a few of his fine establishments splashed around in cool places like LA and Dubai. But underneath all of the rock star status is someone who cares not only deeply about food and its origins, but someone who cares about the people and the emotions surrounding food and the culture we live in. Although I have jumped ahead a little, for there is more to this story that I have been looking at. Food for Soul is a not-for-profit organisation that Batura and his life and business partner, Lara Gilmore, founded in recent years. In 2015, Refettorio Ambrosiano was born. An abandoned theatre in Milan became the first place where people from challenging means in society could meet for a meal around the table, a place where the foods that the restaurants and businesses neglected to use that usually ended up in bins and landfill could be delivered and transformed into wonderful meals when many would just go hungry. There are three things at work here that are equally important in my mind. The need to feed the hungry and disenfranchised, and the need to minimise the amount of unnecessary waste that our modern world creates. And last, but certainly not least, the community that benefits as a whole from not only the deep nourishment of good food, but the connection and the value people feel at a social and spiritual level. Bread is Gold is therefore a book that brings together the recipes and the menus from the chefs who donated their time and culinary expertise in the kitchen at Refettorio Ambrosiano, There is a collaboration of recipes and know-how that utilises a mixed bag of ingredients and cultural backgrounds with creativity undoubtedly at its heart. There are approximately 170 recipes and around 400 pages to devour, and all profits from the book sales are directly donated to the Food for Soul organisation. Brady's Gold is a fabulous read even if you are not a cook and is published by Faden Press London. I have to admit, I have fallen under the spell of this book for many reasons. I really wanted to share the story about the foundation Food for Soul and the work that they are doing on the ground in Italy and around the world as many of these soup kitchens have opened up now. Another thing to add here, if you do get your hands on a copy of the book, that Bread is Gold is not traditional cooking Italian style per se. These are recipes that came about from the chefs who were given random ingredients on the day to cook in the soup kitchens. Not all of the chefs are from Italy, but a worldly bunch with culinary training and heritage of their own that they take into the kitchen on any given day. Their mission is to make do with whatever is in the crate or the box or the fridge when they arrive. 
Some staples at any given time were available. The common thread is making do with what's on hand is the foundation for the cooking and the feeding of the people and the community. And so now I have been contemplating this cooking and creating adventure and how I can make this work. So I have decided there have to be a few rules or guidelines perhaps, like use what I can from the pantry, pick out a bunch of recipes each week and add them to the family meals, cook seasonally, keep detailed shopping lists for future recipes that entice, pay attention to the herb garden and to the moment in time and what is available locally, change ingredients if necessary when I need to buy. For example, if I don't have pistachios to sprinkle on a dessert recipe that I'm planning to make, I use hazelnuts that I have in the pantry, etc. So I am really just being mindful of waste and moderating that accordingly and having fun and embracing beginner's mind because not all recipes are made equal. Some things in the book are really simple for me and then some are more challenging and I'm just giving it a go. It's quite fun when you decide to cook like this from a cookbook. So I'm really flicking through it regularly, looking at what is in season now. Uh, at the moment, we're at the end of, like we've had some obviously, we're, but we're still utilizing a lot of summer ingredients like tomatoes, peaches, plums, uh, zucchinis are still in my garden, although they're nearly finished, but I can make the most of these prime ingredients and cook the recipes that will use those or ask for those more to, more to the point. And I'm making the most of what's available to me. And then when I choose to go to the shop or I need to go to the shop again, and with the whole social distancing right now, I'm not going to be going to the shop a lot. So I'll have to be quite specific when I make my lists and make the decision to bake or cook something. So all of these things are coming together and I am having a bit of fun in the process and I'm learning something new. So, you know, it's a bit of fun. I'm just doing it because I like to cook anyway and we have to eat every day. So each day, each time I think about what's next, I can put a little uh, intention behind it and make a decision based on what is possible and what I can learn from this book and share it along the way if you're interested. I am blogging about these recipes on michellejohnston.net and I started a new blog page called Cooking with Massimo and Friends. So these will be interesting times and right now, well, since we can't really interact with our friends or family outside of where we live, not very much anyway, and since I may lose some of my work days potentially at work, I don't know at the moment where I'll stand in three or four weeks. So having a little project like this could be a really wise thing. So that's what I'm doing. At the moment, I'm putting um, lots of seeds in trays. It's still warm enough to get the seeds going. I have some rocket arugula, I think they say elsewhere. Spring onion, perpetual spinach I've just started, and some kale for winter. And I'm putting them in trays at the moment in the greenhouse and getting them going. I'm thinking about how 
to cook more tomatoes as I have many. And I'm really grateful for that. It was such a strange, strange time really, because in January, like after the fires were around and the smoke and everything, and I was just looking at this tomato patch that hadn't really gotten going. And finally it did, like it did get there in the end. But I was just thinking, God, was it worth it? You know, like all that water and the time. And I was a little bit down about it. And I don't normally feel that way, but I just was worried that I might've been wasting the water. I am on council water. Like we have town water, you could say, but you know, I know I have to be mindful. I've got a large garden and I have to tread carefully at times, or we have to. And Um, And it also is expensive at the end of the day too. So there was a part of me that was like, maybe next year I won't, you know, I won't go to that much effort. I'll just do the things that are easy for me to do, which is like the zucchini and the squash and like they come up really quick. And and even though the tomatoes are quite easy too, but they just took ages to get fruiting. But now we are in this very unusual time and we can barely get, canned goods from the um, supermarket at the moment you can get them but you can only get two at a time and sometimes I might use two cans of tomatoes in a sauce if I'm making a pasta or you know making a nice Indian meal or something like that like we cook a lot at home and these things are tricky to get your hands on so I'm really grateful actually that I've got heaps of tomatoes and I'm making the effort to bottle them and freeze them as much as I can and now I look back and think, wow, that was that was handy. So it's really mixed emotions at the moment and I um, I'm glad I'm glad that I persisted anyway and just kept going. So there we are. That's my little project. I am going to end this episode and share a quote from a classic book from the author Patience Gray. The book is called Honey from a Weed. Fasting and Feasting in Tuscany, Catalonia, the Cyclades, and Apulia. I believe I learnt about this book firstly from Rick Stein when he talked about people that had influenced his food writing and his cooking uh, many years ago in the beginning. He spoke about honey from a weed and his visits to the south of Italy. Now, the quote comes from the introduction. She says, quotation, Good cooking is the result of a balance struck between frugality and liberality. Something I learned in the kitchen of my friend Irving Davis, a bibliophile and classic cook. It is born out in communities where the supply of food is conditioned by the seasons. Once we lose touch with the spendthrift aspect of nature's provisions optimized in the raising of a crop we are in danger of losing touch with life itself when providence supplies the means the preparation and sharing of food takes on a sacred aspect end of quote i just love that it's really where i'm coming from it's what i like to think about and it's something i'm still learning a lot about And it's something I want to share along the way on this journey. Now, uh, a book that I can recommend at the moment is obviously Honey from a Weed. But there's also a great book that's been written about her life. The book is called Fasting and Feasting, The Life of Visionary Food Writer Patience Gray. And I am re-listening to it because I'm listening to it on the audio. 
while I'm weeding the garden and dealing with my messy vegetable patch. And I'm just enjoying reading and listening to the evolution of her career and her lifestyle choices. It's always funny to me, but I'm always attracted to reading and pondering these women who walk the road less traveled, throwing conventions to the wind and definitely curating their lives their own way. That always fascinates me and I love to just delve into those worlds, I guess. Another interesting conversation that you might like to listen to if this is interesting to you is a great interview with Sky Gingell, I hope I pronounced that right, on the Rev podcast. I don't think this podcast still continues to uh, create content, but this podcast has a really great talk with Sky Gingell called Sustainable Eating with Sky Gingell of Spring and Heckfield Place. Sky has paved the way for restaurant owners in England to become zero waste. Her whole philosophy and story is fascinating too. So go search for that in podcast land. I will leave all show notes for this episode at michellejohnston.net. You can catch up with me on all of the meals I have made so far, my successes and fails. Yes, the sourdough did not work after all. It appears that the sourdough making is definitely an art and I need to practice a little more and that's fine I get it I've had lots of successes though and it's been really fun and we've been eating some really yummy food and there's a lot more to come so I think I uh, have done about maybe 13 recipes so far that's not a lot when you think about 170 odd but it's a start so join me and share your journey if you're doing the same thing I'd love to hear about it please um you know send me an email i'd love to know what you're doing or if you've started a creative project while you're having some downtime some downtime that you may not have had a choice about so please let me know you know i'd love to hear some stories or any shares about what you're doing to um, raise your spirit or to make a change certainly i think this whole time can be negotiated a number of ways And I say that because I think there's value in this space in cultivating something new for yourself. And while I am doing lots of cooking and sharing, I am also taking lots of Epsom salt baths because that's really good for sort of de-stressing, drinking lots of lemon balm tea and licorice root tea and just trying to stay as calm as possible. And I think it'll be quite interesting as the weeks and months go on because I don't know that we've spent that much time together as on a full-time basis as a family so between the lockdown status and the school holidays that are coming in two weeks and just just this massive change in our lives it's going to be interesting and I yeah I'll share some of that as we go along I just hope you stay well and look after yourself and your family. All the best. Thank you for joining me. Bye for now.